Welcome to The Hype Within, exploring journeys of authentic leadership and growth. On the show, tech leaders will share their stories of developing their leadership skills and challenges they faced along the way. You'll learn about their approaches to self-reflection and personal growth and how they've been able to build a foundation of authenticity that has propelled them to success. I'm your host, Hannah Jakover, B2B marketing leader turned leadership and executive coach. Are you ready to get hyped up? Let's dive in. All right. Hello, leaders. Welcome back to The Hype Within. I have a guest here today that warms my heart. And I think that when we connected, I don't know, obviously, like we're sisters, but you know, we just, I felt like we connected and I'm so happy to have you on the podcast and share some of your insight. You're so thoughtful in your approach and what you have to share. So I'm grateful to have Miss Shauna Bannis here today. And Shauna is a senior marketing consultant off on her own after a long career in marketing. And she focuses on demand gen, pipeline generation, and DEI in leadership. So that's what our focus will be today. Hi, how are you? I am fantastic, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm good. We just talked about this a little bit. And I was telling Shauna that like, I have been on mom duty for a month. And now that Maxon's back in school, I have a little bit more freedom and I get to kind of ask myself those questions that have been nagging at me, which has been nice. And one of the results has been a new vibe for the podcast. And I know if you're listening, you can't see it, but you'll see it in the clips. And so that's something I'm very excited about. (laughs) I'm loving it. Yay. So tell us a little bit about you and your journey and what you're up to now. Oh, where do I begin? So I am... Let's start with the student part of this. I am a student wrapping up my master's in DIJ leadership at Touch University. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm also a marketer at heart. My career has been, as you mentioned, focused in branding, but you know, primarily in demand gen. And then most recently, I have started my own consulting business, which I'm loving, marketing for moments and, you know, client work is really and has been really invigorating for me. And then just to throw a little extra in there, I am also a soon-to-be published author. So my first children's book is uh, coming soon, as they say. So pretty excited. I'm so excited about the book. I had the privilege of getting a little sneak peek, and it's a beautiful book. It's such a work of art, and I'm so amped to support that effort. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So I'm curious, how would you, you know, you've you've led teams, you've been in orgs, and now you're sitting outside and, and really kind of looking at them through that lens. But in all of that, how would you define your leadership style? So that is an interesting question because it has definitely evolved. I think when I started as a leader, my focus was in driving impact. It was about the business it hasn't evolved to make it more personal, more people-oriented. So taking that time to be more inclusive as a leader, more mindful of the fact that, you know, the loudest voice isn't always the best. 
And so that's how I would talk about my leadership now. It had it evolved into something what I would describe more as an inclusive leader, more people focused, and not just taking the time to getting to know my teams, but also taking the time to actually share stuff about myself. I was very rigid in terms of, you know, personal, professional, and overlap, not much, right? And so I've taken the time to do that. And I, I found it a lot more impactful. Yeah, it's easier. Like, it's just as like, there's less resistance, I feel like, with that approach. What do you think inspired that evolution for you? I think it's a combination of things. I think it's me wanting more and to be a better leader, but also me seeing gaps sometimes in some of the leadership that I receive. So it's a combination of both. And then, you know, like marketing, things evolve and you read and you understand that bringing more empathy to the table and bringing more of yourself to the table, there's more required. Just like there was more required of marketers. So we're not just stopping at, you know, top of the funnel. We are all the way to the bottom and beyond. I think as leaders, there's, there's a lot more required as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering too, like your education in DEIJ and thinking about like showing up and giving more of yourself, particularly as a Black woman, like that can be really hard, you know, because for safety and survival, sometimes we can't do that. Like sometimes we have to, we have to be a different version. So like how has that really evolved or that thought or that concept really evolved for you through your journey and the education that you're doing? Oh, that for me is like a powerful question. (laughs) That's my job. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing it well. The journey, my my most candid answer is the journey has been difficult. Mm -hmm. There's so much to be said about the emphasis on bringing your authentic self to work every day. But there's also something to be said about making sure there's that, you know, safe space where that authentic self can be accepted, can be valued can be appreciated, can be protected. So for me, it's what is that balance? If you're in an environment where there's certain part of your authentic self that is not going to be in a safe space. So for me, it's been that give and take, bringing more, voicing more, but understanding that there are risks to that. And when I do that, I have to understand what the risks are. And for me, that has been the thing. I, I think the impact to where I am today from a DEIJ perspective, and I've heard a lot of people say that, has been around the summer of 2020, right? Yeah. I talk about how that helped me find my voice, even as a leader, because because oftentimes I went through my career not wanting, especially when it's like you're living from paycheck to paycheck, you need that job security, no matter what you see or experience, conscious or unconscious, you know, biases, and we all have them, to be clear. Yeah. I spoke less. You know, I was the one that maybe had ideas that didn't bring it up as much, didn't speak as much. And that helped me, honestly, to find my voice because, as you know, as a mother, you start to question yourself and your values because they evolve when you have someone to protect uh, that you you have this responsibility for. And so I started to question, what can I do? What am I doing? Right. And I started to raise my hand 
and ask the hard questions. And candidly, there are risks to that, right? Mm -hmm. When people ask you to bring your authentic self to the table or asking you these questions, I am hesitant in how much I want to share because that journey opens up a lot of what I would call like wounds, right? Yeah. And if you are really not interested in the answer, and if you're not really interested in actually driving change, then please don't ask. (laughs) I would say ultimately it's helped me find my voice. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, it sounds like a beautiful journey and I know that beautiful journeys can also be very hard. And I think that around like that summer of 2020, the summer or right after George Floyd was murdered, I have looked back on that and like, cause I, that was a moment for me as well to really reclaim my own identity and step into that. And I mean, same. And what's interesting is when I talk to other black women, black men as well, but I think it's, it's, more powerful it was a more powerful moment for black women and especially mothers like that was a time for all of us all black women to really like look in the mirror and do that reclaiming and thinking about who am I how do I want to show up in this world how do I protect what I love including things that are mine and I love hearing those journeys I do and they're hard like they're not it's not like I found my voice and it was super fun. And I got to like have, you know, like it was, it's not, it was not fun. It was not fun. Okay. It was not a party. (laughs) No, it was not fun. And it honestly, it's going through the process of grief too. Like you go through those stages of like, you're in denial. You're so angry. Like I remember there was a full year after that where I was just so angry and it came out in the, in ways where like, I was the one asking those questions at my company, you know, but it was coming from a place where I hadn't moved through that grief yet. And like, I was angry. So it wasn't benefiting me. It was burning me out. It was exhausting me. It wasn't the impact that I wanted to have. So, I mean, I commend you. And I mean, I'm just here for all of the women, particularly the black women that have gone through that journey and are here now showing up in the way that they want to show up and having the impact that they want to have. And I'm still on my journey, right? I think it's a learning and growing process, particularly like when I think of like my first semester, right? That was an eye opener. You know, when you talk about power and you realize, wait a minute, like their power within yourself, each individual has power that we're aware and not aware of how are we wielding those kind of powers. So it's been a, a self-discovery journey as well. And that that I appreciate. Yeah. How have you balanced that with motherhood? I'm giving you a hard question. I'm like, go, I'm totally going off of our, I told you how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that I'm still balancing that. That's a constant evolution of what balance means right? This month, balance is, you know, a combination of how do we balance the extracurricular activities and how do we balance the transition into kindergarten to make sure that's going well. You know, over the summer, it was how do we balance, you know, activities, but with enough time where you can feel like a kid and play and just be and have that freedom in preparation. So, it's evolving. And sometimes I have to take a step back and say, where's my me time as well. And then 
making sure that I'm giving enough of myself or there's enough of myself to give during those times as well. So it's mm-hmm. a constant struggle, to be honest. As yeah. You know. Yeah. Constant struggle, constantly redefining and never ending journey. <laughs> but you yeah. know, I, I love that too. Like that's that this motherhood journey that has no manual or pamphlet or, or guide that no one told you is probably one of the best journeys that I, I continue to be on. So yeah, yeah. And you're honoring that in a beautiful way, I think with your book as well, which again, I'm so excited about <laughs> my book. Yes. I'm, I'm really like, honestly, that book is almost the combination of all of my interests. Like I've always been interested in kids. I've done a lot of work with at-risk and homeless kids. Always interested in at some point in my life becoming a mom. DIJ, it really brings it all together. The impact of representation or lack thereof throughout my career. That for me, things you growing up, you know, you don't know, you know, I've had a mix of experiences. And for me, the book really culminates all that and, and was definitely a strong influence from, from the work that I'm doing in school. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that should be the goal, I think, to get to a place where it's like, these are all the things that I care about in one, you know, and I get to showcase that to the world. I think that's a beautiful moment and it's hard work to get there. (laughs) Yes, it's a lot of juggling, but I'm excited. I'm like, yes, we do, we do. All right. So thinking about your leadership journey, mm-hmm. what has been a pivotal moment where maybe there was a tough decision that you had to make and it really challenged you in your leadership and what was the outcome? That question, I think more now than ever is is relevant in thinking about when you have she let someone go, right? The first time you've had to do that for me is impactful because you think of all the journeys that I've been on, right? I have had been laid off so many times and, and having to pick myself up. And so for me, it's that empathy. How do you do this regardless of the situation in a way that that's empathetic and really see someone, right? Mm-hmm. And not make it all business. And for me, that has helped me from a leadership perspective in thinking about that. And it's not just, you know, the journey of going through that, but what do you do after? What do you do with the team and your colleagues after? How do you then dig deep and be a motivational, you know, leader to continue to inspire and continue to drive not just change, but you know, hit your goals as well. Because at the end of the day, business is business, yes, but we are all people. So for me, that has been, that has always impacted me in a way that it brings me back to my beginnings and to help me to bring that human, human kindness back into things. Because I think for me, day to day, you get so busy and sometimes you forget a little bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What are some of the little or big, but I feel like it's mostly little things that you have to do to live that. Like, so what are some of the, what are examples of, you know, what you're talking about as you explore those questions? How have the solutions arised for you? It's doing more to stay connected. I used to, like I used to bring in speakers from outside to motivate my team. 
and have those socials where, you know, we're reviewing books or our journeys and just doing things that has nothing to do with the business, but just has to do with that people connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for me in one-on-ones, like not just talking about how are you progressing with your work, but getting to know somebody and, you know, touching base, like how's your husband do? And how are your kids? And remembering like the little things that are important to them and actually showing that, hey, I, yes, I remember and I care enough to ask, how are you doing? And actually waiting for an answer. It's like me saying, you know, hi, how are you doing? Okay, good. <laughs> and you're barely waiting for someone to have, you're stopping and actually waiting for an answer. It makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And listening to what they say too, which can be so hard when we have a million things on our plate and we've got our meeting in 15 minutes and we're thinking about that email we have to send. I think that takes a lot of mindfulness to be able to do that. Consistently, right? Because then you can do pockets and then is it six months later? Like how frequently, how consistently, right? You know, how authentically. So it's not just let me look through my notes to see like what I wrote down about this person. Like, are you actually engaging in the moments, interactive, and that it's not just scripted? Yeah. And going through the motions. Yeah. Yep. Something that has helped me in my coaching journey be in that present moment is really just taking five minutes if I can, longer if I can, but at least five minutes, even if it's like three minutes before a meeting, before I step in, especially if it's coaching, anytime that I'm interacting one-on-one with somebody or I need to be present and just grounding myself and just doing a grounding exercise honestly, even if it's one minute, two minutes, like whatever you can block out, I have personally found that that has enabled me to create the space that is needed for that connection and also remind myself or allow myself to just be comfortable in the present moment and be comfortable like preparing to listen and not have the answers or not have the next question, you know, and it's a hard practice. Like it's definitely a habit that you have to build some muscle you have to work, but it's very, I found it very helpful. I'm going to try that. So in that moment, are you like clearing your mind completely or are you just, are you reminding yourself of things that helps you to stay calm, to be an active listener? What are you doing in that moment? Yeah. So I usually do a meditation that is a grounding meditation, which to me is bringing myself into the present moment. So I'm not, I'm trying to actually turn off my brain and I'm trying to just be here now, right? Like cliche, but that's really the goal is being here now. I like to do lots of different types of meditations because I get bored with one if I do one over too many times, but it's just going through your body, right? And like relaxing your body and just noticing your body. Or there's one that I really love. It's auditory where you're just listening to what's the farthest away sound that I can hear right now and then kind of moving in from there and what's the closest sound that I can hear right now is probably your breath and then getting to a point where can I hear my heartbeat can I hear any other things in my body so it's anything that just like brings you in brings you into that present moment okay I can try that I can try that yeah it's a good one it's hard to like make it a 
habit, but it works. <laughs> I'm going to try it. And I think that reminder to, to just kind of calm down will be helpful. So I'm going to try it. Yeah. Yeah. Even just breath work. Like some people don't like meditating, but even just breath work, right? Like just big breathing. And that's what you're focusing on is your breath. And that's it. I had a professor who would, you know, get in of class, everybody just kind of decentering yourselves. And we would go through these mindfulness. So, okay. Yeah. In my coaching education, that's how we started a lot of our evenings. And because it's a lot, you know, it's a lot. And you just have to stay centered. And I really appreciated that about the faculty and that they were so excited about having us and teaching us, but they wanted us to be present. Like they really wanted us to be there. Anyways, moving on. Okay. So you now as a consultant, obviously spend a lot of time with lots of different types of leaders, lots of different teams. What are you seeing when it comes to leadership? Like how would you define, and I know there's not one definition, but what are the commonalities that you see in terms of like quote unquote modern leadership or today's leadership? That I don't let me let me actually like add something. I'll say that's working. That's working. Or you can that's not working, right? Because there's a lot that you probably see out there that you're like, um, no, thank you. <laughs> that's right. Um, that's working. You know, I think it's that openness, right? When I when I think of like real modern leadership, it gives other people opportunities to like own and bring thoughts to the table. It goes beyond the hey, my door is open thing. Like, what are you actively doing? Another thing is that transparent leadership. Mm. And by that, I mean, it goes beyond just saying, we need to do this now, right? Or we're just doing this. Sometimes, and you can't do this all the time, but sometimes stopping and actually giving context. So there's an understanding how this rolls out to the core, our core business goals, how this ties into our values. That for me is transparent leadership that just, you're not hiding. I think earlier in, in my career, I saw a lot of leaders that were, it was about, I don't know, maintaining the status quo. I, I don't know, job security. I think it, so it's different. I, I think the more open that you are with your team, that goes beyond you know, your job description. I mean, that stuff works. You really, when you talk about inclusion, like in DEI, it's like, you know, diversity and then you have equity. Inclusion is like the redheaded stepchild. Mm -hmm. It sometimes just gets left to the side. And the more you have that inclusive, you have inclusive leaders that actually are thinking beyond the status quo. I mean, that is like somebody I want to work for. Yeah. I'm actually curious because obviously as a consultant, you kind of choose, you get to choose who you work with, but sometimes you really don't know. Are you still coming across leaders who are where you're like, oh man, we're not vibing here in this leadership from an outside perspective? Like, do you still come across those interactions and how do you approach that? So the answer is yes. I, and I think it's no different than actually being, you know, a full-time employee and you, you sign on for a job and you realize like, mm, the culture isn't as, you know, it should be 
leadership is not truly reflective of the values of the culture that is has been stated. And so part of that is how do you have those candid conversations? Mm-hmm. Right? You kind of have to reset on what are the actual goals of an organization? I've worked for organization that you know wanted a demand gen leader, but do you get it and then you realize they're not really ready for demand gen. Like the CEO wants to micromanage the CMO and everything that's marketing. So you, you kind of have to, I reassess like what are the goals and what did they actually engage me for? And how do we take out all that extra out of that and, and focus on how do we get this done? How do you get the work done? It's a little harder being a full-time employee, right? You still have to deal with all that extra stuff, not as much as a consultant. Some of it, yes, depending on how deeply embedded that you are in the teams. I haven't been as deeply embedded, so it's a little easier for me to reassess. It's easier to reassess in a consulting role when you're not as deeply embedded within the organization. So where you can take a step back and really go to leadership and say, like, you take out all the noise. If it's not adding value, sometimes it doesn't even really need to be addressed. Like, I'd like an opportunity to reassess our core goals. This is where we are. This is what we want to accomplish. This is what I need from you. What do you need from me? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really clear. I feel like it's easier to see some of those things too and make recommendations around them when you are on the outside of the organization. (laughs) Yes. Yes. The politics doesn't impact you as much. There's Mm -hmm. a lot. And I'm enjoying not having all that unnecessary extra, right? Yeah. My goal is to make organizations or their individuals that work. My goal is to make your job better easier to make you shine sometimes that competitive edge that you can have if you're you know full-time internal within an organization yeah love that approach so you talked about inclusion and inclusion being the redheaded stepchild (laughs) how should leaders be thinking about bringing that into their organizations and ensuring that their team is thriving in an environment where inclusion is the status quo. So here's my like my most candid response to that question, that oftentimes as leaders, we need to assess our leadership. And it's like, how would you as a leader define your leadership? And then you need to compare it to what what are the goals of the organization? I'm big on like diversity branding, like the organizations are out there talking about all of these wonderful things around diversity, equity, and inclusion. You look at JDs and then you're seeing this, even if you don't, you know, we welcome, you know, individuals, particularly of minorities and, you know, non-minorities, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And there are all of these verbal signals that companies are putting out there. But oftentimes, it is not reflected within the leadership of the organization. And I'll give you an example. Before I started my own business, I was still interviewing. Got laid off early in the year, and I'm you know, still thinking, should I go off on my own? Should I do full-time work? And I did research on a, I mean, a very popular company in the Bay Area. And I got an interview with the CMO. And they were one of the ones, honestly, that had all of these wonderful diversity statements out in the job description, website, et cetera, and values and culture, et cetera. 
I could not find their leadership team on their website. I struggled nowhere. And that, that for me was a first. And I think I found it in, on some random investor website. And when I looked at it, there was nothing diverse about their leadership team. Hmm. And it did not reflect all of these beautiful diversity, you know, branding statements that they have out there. And so my thing is as individuals, often I find within companies, there are pockets that truly reflect the culture of the organization. Yes. And it's hard to say as a leader, how do you truly, I think regardless, you can be inclusive, but how do you reflect diversity if your team, and, and this goes beyond race and gender, there's, you know, so many other levels ability of, of diversity that your team can truly reflect. If you, your team does not do that. And if you're not making a conscious effort, when you have an opening, right, it starts at the very beginning. If you have an opening or that all of the team members who are actually recruiting and doing interviews, if there's not a consistent mindset, it really starts that early in the process, then it's not going to triple down. And if leaders are not truly reflective of the mindset that the company and the culture that the company is putting out there, that's why for me, team collaboration is so important mm. and understanding leadership styles are so important. Do they truly reflect the culture of your organization? And if not, then that's where it starts. You have to start in, you know, pick one. What are you going to work on to be either it's inclusion, a more diverse, or more mindfulness in certain areas. Yes, those are great calls to action, at least to be thinking about, like how do we think about our leaders and ensuring that it's not just these little pockets. Everybody is on board and we know how to hire for those individuals. We know the questions to be asking. We know what to be looking at. But I think one thing you also said earlier that's really important is you have to go through that work yourself in order to be understanding of, I know what questions to ask. I know what this looks like. You really have to go through that work yourself first, I believe. What do you think? Of There's no formal training for these individuals to say like, right. hey, this is what our thought process should be. We all have conscious and unconscious bias, but this is how we should. There's no training. So then you have people interviewing potential co-workers or leaders and there's no formal training in that. I'll give you another example of leaders. I have worked with the leaders who are great leaders with their team. They do everything right with their team, their mm -hmm. team that works into their organization. But then when it comes to teams outside of that, not so nice. They're not playing so nice. They do no longer reflect the culture of the organization. If they're not hitting their numbers, and I'm not talking about just sales and marketing, there are other organizations. Suddenly they're pulling other teams down as opposed to like either taking ownership or raising them up. And so right. then it becomes a dysfunctional relationship and that starts on the leadership side. And so you can't be a phenomenal leader just for your team. And then outside teams that are still within the organization are like, yeah, great, but you don't play nice with others. Yeah, right. I mean, gosh, how many times have you seen that? I've seen that too. 
And it can be intimidating too, as another leader on another team to try and want to be collaborative with somebody like that and get the different departments to work together and even just build rapport across the leadership team. And that can be challenging. So say you're an individual, right? And you're on the other side of this. You want to find that leader who is really thinking about inclusion and is mindful and thoughtful about DEI as a whole as well and inclusion. And what are the questions that those people should be asking when they're sitting in front of those panels or when they're, you know, I think you mentioned some really good actions of like, look, you look at the website, you do some research, right? Before you go into those interviews to really see what they're putting out there. So you have a baseline, but what kinds of questions should people be asking? Honestly, this one is difficult for me and I'll tell you why. I mean, I think that I have done really great due diligence, but I have, even with all of the research, I don't think there's a foolproof because sometimes you still end up joining organizations and you realize that what's reflected out on social media, the videos that are very diverse, the talking points are not truly reflective when you put your foot in there, right? And that's a big part of what my thesis is going to be about, understanding what's authentic versus what's performative, like, and the impact of that. So it's hard for me to say, like, these are all the questions and, and answering these, these questions is going to get to euphoria. I think it's actually getting their perspective, like having them do the, de the definition. Like, what does diversity mean to you? How do you define it? How is it reflective within the teams that you are managed or within teams that you have worked with, right? And how do they define that? Because if it's just race and gender, then there's a lot more that we're missing. And then we need to expand that because I think there's a perception that diversity is just for one. Diversity is really for all, right? And the benefits are inclusive. They are for all. And I think getting people's perspective of how to define all of the different key things that you value within your organization. And if they value them, how has it, and how do they reflect that in their actual leadership with examples, right? Mm. And then look within the organization, are the leadership teams that they've worked on truly reflective, right, of diversity, it's hard to like see inclusion, but just to see like, are they actually walking the talk? So some right. of these things is, is having them, as opposed to defining it from your company's perspective, have them define it from their career, but most importantly, their leadership perspective. I think that's fantastic. And you said it a couple times, you mentioned values, right? Like that's really an exercise of uncovering values around this so you can see if there's that alignment. And I'll say too, and I'm sure you have thoughts on this, but sometimes if you have that conversation and you start talking about values with somebody, I feel like that's really how we can connect and build trust with people. And it can also generate a gut feeling when you get to that level of, I'm understanding your values. I'm understanding your core beliefs and how you operate in this world. And then how, yes, it aligns to your leadership, how it aligns to this organization and the goals. 
that can generate a pretty intense intuitive response because values are so deep within us that we kind of know if it's like BS or not and if we are good with it or not, if I can vibe with that or not. So I think that's a fantastic approach for people to take. And I also think it was a good showcase of going into an interview and not just thinking about, oh, I'd love to join this company. I got to nail these answers. What are they going to ask me? It's no, you are an asset to this company. Is this where you want to work? What questions are you asking in the interview that are important to you? Which I think is so critical when we're thinking about interviewing and not just these kinds of questions, but every question. Like You got to go in there thinking like this is not only an interview for you of them interviewing you, but you are also interviewing them. Imagine okay. that you are on a stage in front of let's say a couple hundred senior execs. They all work in tech in our in our arena, in our industry, and you've got the mic. What do you want your message to them to be? My message to senior leadership. I think it's pretty consistent with the conversation that we've been having, right? And if it's just one or two sentences, it's make sure that your leadership reflects the organization that you're with and understanding how to define your leadership, right? And how you define your leadership, still ask yourself that question. Is that, does that truly reflect the culture of the organization that you're in? And then, so that's the talk and how are you walking that walk? Beautiful, I love it. I wish I was in that room and you were giving a keynote and this was the topic. <laughs> I would be there in a second. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so thinking about resources, exercises, what would be something that you want to leave this audience with that can help them in their both personal and professional journey? Ooh, that's a good one. What is my leaf behind? I think it's cherish the spaces that where you can bring your authentic self and also be protective of your authentic self, right? And understanding who your authentic self is, is a journey. And so where do you, in what spaces, in what places do you bring your authentic self, right? The goal is to bring it into more spaces. But let's make sure like if you're planning an event, you actually go and you vet that venue before. <laughs> whole host the event you're doing a lot of research so do your research and that goes for any company that you're looking to work for anyone that you're looking to partner with that's personal and professional relationships right do your work to make sure that it's an environment and is a space where your authentic self where you can be you in the way that you want to be you in those places and spaces well said well said well, it has been so wonderful to chat with you. I love it. every time we talk. I love it. I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> and one day, maybe we'll do it in real life, too. Yes. I didn't have to convince you. You were down. But I'm so happy that we did this. And I'm grateful for our relationship and meeting you and being able to put this out on my podcast and showcase your beautiful work and journey. Well, Hannah, right back at you. Thank you. I really am honored to be here. I enjoyed the conversation 
And thank you for leading the way and the path, right, on your journey, because you're definitely an inspiration. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you walk away with something empowering that you can take into your own leadership journey. Are you a high-performing executive looking to take your career to the next level? Or maybe you're an emerging leader who wants to develop the skills you need to advance in your role and show up authentically. Or maybe you're experiencing burnout and struggling to find a better work-life balance. Whatever your situation is, one-on-one coaching can help you achieve your personal and professional goals. If you're interested in experiencing the power of coaching for yourself, head on over to hypehousecoaching.com backslash start coaching now, where you can set up a one-on-one leadership and executive coaching intro session for free. Remember, the only hype that really matters is the hype within.